Welcome to the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. I'm sitting here in an Airbnb in the shadow of Mount Princeton, uh, just out of, outside Buena Vista. I'm surrounded by the exiled Michigander who's joining us again. In this timeline, it's exiled Michigander. <laughs> what did I in the say? old timeline, it's the exiled The exiled Michigander. <laughs> And we're pleased to welcome another 14er finisher, Colorado Trail Patrick, or CTP. Wait, which timeline are we in again? <laughs> to get this conversation started, I want to start with a couple 14er trivia questions. How many 14ers don't have either mount or peak? Crest on needle. Crest on needle. Okay. So no, no mount and no peak, right? No mount and no peak. Okay. But mountain is different. Because it's Missouri Mountain. No, that's true. There is a second mountain. Elk. Snowmass Mountain. Yep, um, Snowmass Mountain. Okay, so two mountains. There's a needle. There's only two mountains and a needle. There is a point. Challenger. Challenger is a point. What was Challenger? That's a good trivia. What was Challenger name before? Dude, you just come up with like a whole trivia, far trivia, trivia for like fourteeners. What was Challenger up? before it was Challenger though? Because the Challenger well, didn't explode until '86. Because the Challenger blew up in '86. It was they called it Kitty. Did they call it Kitty Cat? Yeah. Kitty Cat Carson or something? Yeah, Kitty Cat Carson. Oh, I forgot. There's another point. In the song Grace. It's Ellingwood Point. It's Ellingwood Point. So. Challenger Point and LA. I, 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 I keep on calling it Challenger Peak. 14ers.com I have up is Challenger Point. In this timeline. In this timeline. <laughs> In this episode of the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, we're talking about a Sawatch Mountain Range. It is one of the three which we call the Belford Group. Today we're going to discuss our experiences climbing the various routes up Missouri Mountain. Missouri Mountain gets its name from the miners that came out during Colorado's silver boom in the late 1800s that came from the state of Missouri. So the exiled Michigander and I did the Sea Couloir on Missouri, which is the snow climb in um, April or May 2011. Yeah. 2011, yeah, it was our first... We were green. We were green. Would we do it again? Not sure. It was awesome. I think we both agreed that there could possibly have been more avalanche risk than we were aware of at the time. But So we did uh, our first attempt on Little Bear back in April 2011. And we'll save the Little Bear story for the next time. But we were so inspired by using crampons on Little Bear that we wanted to do some Kolar climbing. And so that's what inspired us to do the Sea Kolar on Missouri. That was the route we did. Which starts at the standard Missouri Gulch Trailhead and goes up that sucky switchback, 800 feet of terrible switchbacks. We did we did those in the in the dark. Mm. Yeah. Because we must have left Denver in the afternoon and went to Quincy's first. We didn't we, yeah. we didn't save Quincy's till after the 14. Yeah, it was we, late. We was like it was like nine at night. Maybe it was later than that. I don't know. It was late when we started climbing up. And then we there was a very horrible campsite we found that night. Because the, there was really only one good campsite, and there was a couple, a nice couple that had snagged that one. <laughs> yeah, so the standard starts at nine nine thousand six hundred feet, and you have like the eight hundred feet of switchback, very steep switchbacks right off the bat, and then it crosses a couple bridges, Clear Creek, across the Clear Creek, and then there's that cabin right there. That was a couple mm-hmm. couple was camped at the cabin. 
cabin's about 11-2. And then basically you break out of the forest right there at 11-2 into that huge valley where Missouri's way off yeah. to the right there. For Which we couldn't see in the night. I mean, if we, if we could have seen it, we might have been like more inspired to keep going and find a different campsite. But it was very demoralizing going up because like you park and you have like maybe 150 yards and then you go like you hit this moment where it's just like straight up for the next mile and a half and it's just like that late at night starting to hike with heavy pack with the tent yeah it's just like that was before i had a camp mat <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah that's awful. a good story too we put up sean's tent there on the side of the hill i figured yeah i had a good sleeping bag and a decent columbia winter coat yeah and as i recall yeah, we discussed it seems like we discussed this when we picked up the crampons at REI. Like we, I was like, "Do you sure? Are you sure you don't want to get a, a sleeping pad?" And you were like, "No, I think not well, really I'll be sleeping fine. Pad. Just I mean, need crampons. That's all." I was plenty warm, but but any any body part was touching the ground was just freezing cold. It was awful. I just yeah, tossed he, and he turned. He like cut pine boughs down. And... Didn't work. So you tried to go all. Uh... Navy and afraid style, and just mm-hmm. find whatever brush you could, which, as we know in the Rocky Mountains, and that's a good. All the know, brush is, is, you know, pine needles and. <laughs> so I think a lot of people spiny. who start the 14ers, like you do, you do the day trips, and then eventually you get to a point where you're going to start having to camp overnight. And most people are tempted to like spend their like cash on a good sleeping bag. And I would say. Before you get a good sleeping bag, get a good sleeping pad. It's like much more important to have a good sleeping pad underneath you. And then later on, you, you know, because you can deal with a pretty crappy sleeping bag if you have a good sleeping pad, I think. Especially in the summertime. Yeah. Those things last forever, but you can go as far back as, you know, backpack in the old days. We had those REI brand ones that were blue foam. And, you know, you could snag them on whatever you wanted. Of course, they weren't the most comfortable, and they didn't insulate the best either. But anything anything that creates that barrier between you and the ground that's not just a tarp or a, you know, Mm -hmm. a footprint or even a sleeping bag, like, you don't, yeah, you need something that keeps you off the ground. That's kind of what separates. You know what we also did was we brought, we bought one of those six uh, egg carton containers and tried to make eggs over the fire. Just quickly realized it's just not worth. What did you cook them in? A little uh, like Boy Scout uh, mess kit. Aluminum, yeah. Mess kit, oh, yeah. you know, it has oh, like yeah. the two like <laughs> a little thing, and it was good. It's just not worth the weight and not worth the taking up eggs. Let me, yeah, was, yeah. let me give you another. So what you do is you take the eggs and you make an omelet and you put it in a Ziploc bag. You boil water, you drop the bag in the water, and you boil yourself an omelet. And when you mm. open it, you actually eat out of the bag. Oh, okay, that's so it's boiled. So it's boiled. But you use you a freezer bag because the other ones will kind of, those aren't like meant to be heated. So you get the real Ziploc bags, like the, the huh. thick ones, and you actually pour your eggs, your milk, salt, pepper, onions, peppers, whatever you want, cheese, and you mix it all together. The old Denver omelet. Seal it up, drop it into boiling water, and you because you could do that with five bags. You have five people on camp, you just drop it in a giant pot huh. of water. That's a great idea. Add a little hot sauce, bam! There you go. You have a campfire. And you and you don't have to clean up. You don't have to plate because you see dead the bag. See, and if you're doing night, just a night trip too, like it's it's, and you know you're starting early, it's you can freeze a steak, mm-hmm. and then you shove it in your pack, and you get there, it's thawed, and it's still cold. Uh, can you freeze? Can you make an omelet in that Ziploc bag like you said, and freeze that? 
Could you freeze I it? I never tried to freeze it, but I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, why would I don't know it? why you couldn't comparing it to restaurant. That'd give you an extra. That'd give you an extra twenty-four hours, maybe, or maybe a little yeah, less with the eggs. But anything that you could freeze, if you're just going out there, you can freeze a lot of things, and then by the time you get in to your camp and that night, typically it's it's thought out, you know, and that way you don't have to carry ice because you know you really you're gonna watch your weight because you need your energy for the next day when you're you know up and down hopefully. That's clever. You've been going to all oatmeal method lately. Yeah, oatmeal's good. See my oatmeal. Oatmeal's easy. Oatmeal's easy. I always like take. I always again. It's one of those things that I pre, I pre make at the house. Take a little Ziploc, and I put the oats in there, and I'll crush up some, you know, walnuts or almonds. Uh, you know, drop in. You know, I always have my packets of honey, packets of peanut butter, things like that. And when I make my oatmeal, I'll dump those in, so I have my, you know, my quick burn carb, and then I have my slow burn fat. And, we should mention you know, Colorado Trail Patrick is fast becoming an ultra lighter and an expert on the long distance trail hiking. So, you know, us mere mortals can compete with that. <laughs> That's a great, like, I've never even thought about like taking a little packet of honey. That makes so much sense. What, when you break it, break it <laughs> I down. I would normally take a whole like, giant bottle, <laughs> five pound I get bottle in, of honey. I get out. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of good things that you can read when you, when you go out and, and, and so I'm like, how do I get that back there? I'm not going to carry a bottle of honey. I'm not and then you think single serving is what you want while you're out there because, you know, it's it's easy trash to, to pack out. You know, hopefully it's... Because sometimes you get up at elevation, you, you know you need calories, but you don't feel hungry. And your mouth is dry. Um, yeah, I, I hike with four points bars, I hike with salami, <laughs> and I hike with uh, those jelly beans. Now wait, energy salami jelly. or summer sausage? Salami. You do salami? Yeah. Salami, salami okay. cheese. I normally kind take... Of cheese, Gouda? Sharp cheddar. Okay. Sharp cheddar, salami. I take a, a giant oversized Mr. Uh, Mr. Good bar. About Goodbar. four 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 points bars and five packets of uh, caffeine. Um, sport beans. You're sports the sport beans. Bean guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Whatever you put in equals your output, right? So you want something that's not going to be you know, a, a sugar spike and a sugar crash because then you're going to feel it. And you, we've all had those moments where, you know, back in the day when I backpacked as a kid, we, I used to love lemon drops because I, for miles I could just sit there and enjoy suck scenery on. and suck on this thing and not, and not even like pay attention to like my shoulders hurt because it was those old ass like external frame packs that just always yeah, dug into some yeah. spot or... And so it was fun, but I realized like every time I, I ate one, I was like, oh man, I just get so tired. And even as a kid. So yeah, it's really about what type of calories you put in will will determine like how hard you have to fight. Well, so then why does why, why is oatmeal so much better in the morning? Why does it give you sustained energy than other than like eggs, bacon, and coffee? Oatmeal oatmeal is when it breaks down, like there's there's a carbohydrate element to it. You know, there's a little bit of protein. They're high in fiber. Fiber is really the key. It slows down your digestion. Um, it gives you that slower burning energy. Uh, but you know, you can if you mix the right amount of protein, um, fat, carbohydrate, your three main macronutrients, and of course fiber is a carbohydrate. But I kind of consider fiber like the fourth macronutrient, even though it is still a carbohydrate, because it will actually slow down, you know, the insoluble fiber gets into your, in your gut 
and it slows down digestion and absorption of energy and that's kind of it comes down without getting too scientific it's your gastric emptying time and that will allow you to keep going on the same fuel as it just slowly pulls over a course of you know however long it depends on how much you ate really it really has to do a lot with the glycemic load um but if you you know that the soluble fiber is what's great that's what mixes in with all the other food and sustenance in your stomach um so a lot of these, and, and when you break, you pull all that stuff out, and, and you're just you're only eating like uh, say just chocolate bars, which chocolate's great. There's there's some benefits to that. There's really not a lot of nutrient in there. There's some fat, which is slow burning, but it's it's a really simple sugar carbohydrate, and it it burns quick. And what goes up must come down, and that's hopefully the same in, in mountain climbing. You know, hopefully you get up and you get down, but. <laughs> You you don't want to you don't want your energy level to come down before you do. You know, it's like also I think I don't know there, there's a certain amount of subjectivity to too because it's like if you bring up food that you're not going to eat. Short rope stiffler kind of got me into this like salami cheese and I don't know what it is about Mr. Goodbar but Mr. Goodbar if I have it at sea level <laughs> it doesn't taste good at all it's way too salty but you like at ten thousand feet or twelve thousand feet. It tastes amazing. There's like something about it. Yeah. You have to study the nutrition. I think it's really good to know the nutrition, but then like also like it's what works for you and what you're going to eat. You know, I always take freeze dried ice cream that you know, you've seen us oh, yeah, yeah. on camping camp. right, overnight. Because yeah. you treat yourself. Nobody likes my personal nutrition system of uh, the, pudding. <laughs> the pudding. The pudding in a Ziploc bag. I, I, I love that, the pudding. I didn't, no. I, I mean, I didn't like it personally. Pistachio like pudding. Watching you pistachio pudding. Pistachio pudding. Because it's lightweight. Put pistachio pudding powder, powder, and you you put in um, dry milk powder. Powdered milk. And then you just when you're on the trail, you add a little water. You shake the you put it in a Ziploc bag. You shake it up, and then you throw it in a little snowbank or something or a cold stream, and it kind of gels up. You break. You kind of got into it earlier. So like, you're gonna go up Missouri Mountain. What's what's in your pack? What's what food wise, nutrition wise? Over from, over from the water. Hydration all the way to... If I did, we, we were not familiar with dehydrated meals back in 2011. Right. So I would take... But if you're going today... Today, if we, tomorrow we hiked up Missouri Gulch. Let's say we're, we're camped I take, out and we're getting... I take a beef, uh, beef stroganoff mountain house, chili mac mountain house as a backup, oatmeal, three packets of oatmeal, okay. and some walnuts. Um, what else do we do? Pre- oh, instant I, coffee. Yeah, we do instant coffee... Um, the net, the Nest Cafe, little packets work pretty well. For me, I, two um, oatmeal packets is enough for me. Salami's good, cheese is good. It's hard, four hard points, cheddar. At least two four points bars, if not more. And then I have um, uh, five or six packets of jelly beans just in case yeah, I get low. The Mountain House freeze dried meals are, I think, the gold. For me, they're, they're the gold standard if you're going to do a backpack backing meal. But talk about your, your instant soup is really good too. That you oh yeah, yeah 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 dehydrated yeah. soup is good. Yeah that works that works. Is dehydrated? That is um yeah no it might be freeze dried. What brand is it? I'm trying to think of the brand. Sean, you tried to do the here. Sometimes would like pull his pack off. You'd be like, why does this thing feel like it weighs it weighs 80 pounds? All right. And you pull a cast iron skillet. Here's the thing. In my defense, <laughs> the only things that I make sure I take every time is I have my first aid kit, my food my water, um, 
if it's a summer climb and there's no issues with snow or I'm not, I'm not concerned with that, I don't bring that, but if, if, there, if I, there is even a remote possibility, I always bring my micro spikes. They don't weigh that much and they can really come in handy. Same with an ice axe. Like, so let's get back to Missouri here. Mm. Well, I want to say one thing about, yeah, what Pat just said, an ice axe for me, it, it is, it can save your life. And, it, and if you take it up and you really don't need it, it looks awesome in photos. So it's like win-win. It's not bad. Like, and, and tourists, like, coming yeah. back with an ice axe over uh, North Maroon. Maroon. Oh, yeah. And yeah, tourists are looking we at you like, gods. yeah. Yeah, so, like, and it, they don't weigh that much. Like, any time there's a possibility of But if you're crossing a snowfield. All right, so back to the so actual amount. This discussion, Mr. Karen, we're way off trail. We're on the wrong path. The talk is starting to derail. The convo is now in the wrong basin. Totally off route. So let's get it back to the mountain that this podcast is all about. Okay. So 30 minutes later, we're back on Missouri. You and I were camping, no camp mat. We made eggs, which were not very good, slow digesting carbs. And we started, we woke up and the sun, it like, that it view. Early. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. In Belford and. You can't really see Oxford, as I recall, mm -hmm. but it's Belford and Missouri, and Missouri's just like, bang, in your face. It's a, a while long away. way away. In the but valley. It, but, but you can see it so clearly. So, early in the morning, probably 7 a.m., crossing the snowfields. And we had snowshoes, and we were still, we were deep in we were, snow. And we were floating, though, in the early morning, that we were above the crust. Yeah. So we got to about 13,000 feet, put our crampons on. There's about five, uh, no, there's four couloirs there on the face of Missouri. Mm -hmm. We did the C couloir, which was the furthest one to the right there. The least steep and the in the widest. It's kind of like a banana shape. It's a reverse C. Mm -hmm. So we put our crampons on, ice axes, had two skiers behind us that skinned in. And they kicked our butts. They passed us. Skinned up, up the standard route and then then skied down the C couloir. Because we, we took, yeah, we took yeah, video of them yeah. skiing past us. Yep. So this was our second time with crampons, right? Because we'd done Little Bear. Little Bear. Failed, failed attempt on Little Bear. But uh, it's, it's pretty cool to have like an ice axe and crampons and start moving up a snowfield. feels so stable. You're just like, like glued to the slope. It was cool. Really, it was like very, I can, I can like almost still feel the like sensation of plunging your ice axe in, plunging your crampons in, like it was pretty satisfying because we went straight to the summit basically last mm -hmm. a thousand feet with straight up crampons one thing i tell people is don't buy a leash on your on your uh have a leash but just buy extra webbing from rei for like 10 bucks instead of buying a 30 dollar leash yeah. and just have them buy 10 yards of webbing wrap it around your wrist tie it to your ice axe save yourself some money throw yourself a little bit of tape on the top too you don't have to go all foamed out, but tell you what, when it's really cold and you you're palming that uh, mountaineering axe, it can it can suck the uh, heat out of your hand so fast, even with a glove on. And go practice, like go someplace and practice, practice. using an ice axe. I've practice seen people. I've seen people on uh, practice, practice. St. Mary's Glacier. 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 Yeah, good place. just north right. of Idaho Brooks. Springs. Yeah. Even if even if you have a hill in your backyard, just learning how to plunge that ice axe in and get the weight right. Is that can save your life. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is knowing how to self-rest with an ice axe. But like being able to like anchor, plunge it in, anchor when you're going up. Oh my gosh, it gives you like 
you basically have a solid point that you can haul yourself up with. Pretty cool. Back to Missouri. We did the sea cool water in April. Mm -hmm. Crampons, straight to the summit. Really cool, beautiful views. We descended the cool war, sea cool war again with our ice axes glissaded, but had the ice axe as a rudder kind of to keep make sure we didn't get out of control. At that point, we got back for our snowshoes. We have snowshoes. Yep. But the ice, the snow had been had softened up, and we were post holing. So I, I picture exactly Michigander into his waist, post holing across the gully. With the snowshoes. Even with snowshoes. Yeah. Yeah. That was deep. The snow, okay. snow softened, and you know. Sensible. We still, we, we, then we, we just sent it back, yeah, back to Missouri. Yeah, gained another probably 2,000 feet, probably. Up Missouri, uh, sorry, Belford. That's impressive that we did that. Looking back on it, I don't think we could do it today. Sounds impressive. And we didn't do we Oxford. Views of the, we were, we were pretty Missouri. spent. What year was this? Then. This is before I knew 2011. you guys, probably, huh? Or maybe I knew pretty, you. But yeah, we just were getting to know you, probably. 2011, yeah. Um, we were spent though. We didn't get back to camp, and I'll say it was really good. You know, you brought you brought chili. You brought cans of chili, yep. and you brought kasha. Yeah, yeah. That was your early early good. time hiking uh, carb and uh, can of chili. So totally off the subject, but real quick, when I lived in uh, up in Avon in Vale Valley, this one of my friend my buddies up there, Danny Lopez, was born in Chile, but he was raised in Canada, so we used to call him Can of Chili. So. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> that would be a great trail lane if he ever got into that. He could see it. DTP. Oh, yeah, that's going to stick, I think. I've never had a nickname, really. But, yeah, so, so how, how did you do it? How, how did you do Missouri then? You didn't do the sequel war or the standard route. No, I did. Uh, I went to Rockdale Trailhead and. Um, from there, there's a, four, a pretty nasty little four-wheel drive, at least it was then, uh, four-wheel drive road up to a Cohesie Lake. So the the Rockdale Trailhead is, you know, it's a staging point for a few other uh, good climbs. But, uh, you know, we kind of go off on tangents, so I won't go there. But it's there's a uh, a creek crossing. I did I did mine in uh, post Labor Day, September of 2006. Um, so you can't do it in the spring with it. Winter runoff. I wouldn't do it with the runoff because that, I mean, that creek in September, and I remember that wasn't a particularly wet year. It was just kind of an average, and it was still, you know, for my Grand Cherokee at the time, it was still pretty sketchy driving down that creek. So you actually have to drive down the creek to get up on that full of drive. And there's a couple points on that road where the washout in the middle is pretty is severe. So that I, I ended up on two tires a couple of times. You know, the front uh, right and the back left kind of thing, like the little rocking back and forth, kind of freaked out a little bit. Um, but I eventually made it all the way to the top. I didn't hike the road, I just drove it. Um, but, you know, when you park at that four-wheel drive parking lot, kind of where it, it ends, you know, and you still have, it's it's relatively quick, five five miles round trip, um, still about 3,100, you know, 3,000 plus feet of elevation gain. Um, but Clohese Lake's beautiful. There's like a kind of a, like an old, building by the lake there, whether it was like an old power thing or a mining building, whatever. Um, but uh, pretty cool. Like in September, um, there was nobody. Absolutely. I never saw one soul the entire hike up or down on the road at Rockdale. So that's the beauty of hiking post um, or climbing post uh, Labor Day is that the uh, majority of people kind of hang it up and, and prepare for winter. But 
Um, the weather was great. It was sunny all day. I drove straight from Denver. Um, I left probably four. Did you go, sorry, did you go to, so I'm looking at the trailhead here. From, from Leadville, it's 20 miles south on 24 from Leadville. It's 14 miles north from Buena Vista. Mm -hmm. Did you go 285 to Buena Vista and up, or did you go 70 to Leadville and down? 285. And I mean, I know we talked about this earlier. It's like I-70, you know, growing up in Evergreen, 285 and I-70, that's your, those are your two lines to the outside world, really, or back then it was. And I-70, I was so sick of that. 285 was always just like I could drive with my eyes closed. So I always used to love driving um, over Kenosha Pass, past Carl Trail, and then down in the South Park. And, um, so I took 285, go north. Um, you hit you hit up the Rockdale again. You do that. You do the Creek Drive, tough little four wheel driver up there. From there it's it's really straightforward. It's a pretty steep right off the gate. You know, right out of the gate, you just kind of you know steep kind of dirt trail it's easily it's easily found there's there's no mystery to where you're going um and then when you kind of get when you get up into the basin it's just this huge like scree field you know and then there's this massive like green it's, it was to me it was crazy in september like how green it actually was just this huge green basin it almost seems like it goes all the way to the top even though it doesn't so from there, I mean, the, the main trail kind of cruises up um, the ridge and, and stays on the ridge proper all the way to, to the summit. I decided to kind of cruise through the grass because I just, I just saw this wide expanse of, of just this grassy knoll of alpine grasses. And, and as I started walking, I realized that there's just a billion of these little grasshopper or locust, whatever they're called, these high altitude <laughs> grasshoppers. They, were, they weren't green. They were you know, kind of brownish, but every step you took, there was like 15 of them just kind of fluttered off. And so, again, this was a solo climb. There was nobody there. This was kind of, you know, time for myself. So I spent a good amount of time just kind of, you know, strolling, meandering, just at a really slow place through that, uh, uh, through that green valley. And uh, just kind of went right up off the side. It got steep and, but it's just a kind of a good quad. It rejoins the standard route though, right? Yeah, yeah. Just so, to, so it rejoins the valley. So you're one valley over from the standard Missouri Gulch standard. Yeah, correct. And that yeah. Easy Lake drainage then rejoins the ridge there on the standard route. For like uh, less than a half mile probably from the summit. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty quick once you get there. 14years.com warns that you, you should not do that route until after late July. Because the snow There's a lot of snow makes that river crossing impossible. Exactly. Right. And that's, uh, you know, September was perfect. Now, granted, it's not going to be the same case every year. It just depends on what weather you get. But it was it was perfect that year, post Labor Day. So, um, and that was, I mean, that was it. You break up to the summit, nobody on the summit. I was, I was so compare, compare the Clovisi Lake up Missouri to uh, Standard on Grays or Beerstad or so Albert. So having done the Sequoir, so I don't, none of us, none, the three of us have never done the actual standard. standard right? Yeah, that's called the non-standard. Oh yeah, yeah. So I've you know done Sequel Bar and I've done the Clovis Lake. Uh, I did the actual trail, which is actually you know, the trail is once you find it is very yeah from Clovis. The trail is very distinct, like you can't miss it. But you, it, it's like you keep hiking past Clovis Lake. 
kind of amazed me how far, like it seems like it's farther than it should be, but then you hit the trail and it's like very obvious. So I took the, I, unlike solo, yep, I was solo too. Um, and of those two routes, I thought the uh, sequel bar was a lot. Because like, you don't really see, you don't feel like you're, I don't know, it, it didn't, you didn't feel the mountains as much when you go from Clogeezy Lake it's cool because there's no people. I didn't see any people at all. We never really see the, the um, face of the Yeah, you don't see that face. Where that, That's the cool thing about going up the standard route, you know, and getting at least, whether you do the standard or not, or you do the sequel bar, and seeing Missouri, like, bang, it kind of, like, hits you yeah. when you get up. That's, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's weird because I think of, like, that would have been a fun one to do with someone. But looking back on it, it was, like, kind of boring to do it alone. I felt like very lonely. There wasn't like that much to look forward to. Um, it would be nice to have company on that one. Do you definitely know, felt more like an alpine tundra like hike than it did like a mountain climb. Like yeah, that, like you mentioned. Yeah, the yeah, other side was, is this rocky. Once you get to the ridge, it's like oh oh yeah, this is a fourteen. But like yeah. getting up, you like most of the time is like going up this slope, and then you get to the ridge, and it's like oh yes, okay, I'm hiking a fourteen. But like going up the slope just feels yeah yeah. Remember when we were doing that one in 2011, we ran that couple that was honeymooned into the Missouri Gulch 30 years ago. That's amazing. And they camped and did Missouri. And so every uh, anniversary, they come back from Kansas. There was a couple from Kansas. They come back to that Winfield uh, Missouri Gulch trailhead, and they hike up into the Missouri Gulch and camp. Yeah, really that's a awesome. cool little couple. That's cool. Mm. That is really cool. I mean, what about, can, you, can you do Missouri from another route? Besides Clovisi and Missouri Gulch. Okay, pass. But Which is supposed pass. to be a pretty intense, rotten... But you could climb. you could drop down from Elkhead Pass, right? So there's apparently a class 4 route that Jerry Roach says is awful. Yeah, there was He says it so eloquently. Was it during the As he, as he, as he always yeah. read that. We should read this because you cannot overlook the power of reading Jerry Roach's, you know, Amen. Colorado's 14ers from Hikes to Climbs. First, second, or third edition, it matters not. It is 14 the Bible. official. This is this is the Bible of climbing 14ers. We'll go back to what he says because he's, you know, Sean said it, or as Exile Michigander said it earlier, just there's a certain poetry to the way that he describes his routes and his climbs and the way that he reads about this East Ridge, which, you know, I really want to climb that. But then you read what he says and you kind of think about it like maybe I don't. Um, he said, this route's class four rating disguises a serious and dangerous climb. What should be Missouri's premier mountaineering route is so rotten that it is relegated to this author's nightmares. <laughs> This is unfortunate because there are few technical climbs on Sawatch 14ers. I've read the East Ridge Road. Exposure is And I can't remember where I read this, but someone described it as like stacking up a bunch of china plates. Plates. Yeah. You stack up these, these plates like if you were you know washing china plates and you stacked them up like a thousand feet high and you were trying to like walk on those plates. It was like shifting, everything was shifting. But you think about like what's over there too is the Three Apostles and Ice Mountain, like the refrigerator cooler. Yeah, that's, that's a good Those question are because the same type of rock. I don't know it's rotten. Loose is loose. Like at a certain point, like if it's if it's loose and it's still a ridge, 
then it can't be that loose, right? Because there's something co like making it cohesive enough to be a ridge. How did the speed record guy, uh, Andrew Hamilton, do that group? Missouri, Belford, Oxford, Harvard, um, Columbia. That's a good question. Well, you're not just looking at that group, though, right? So you're not looking at just the Belford group. You're looking at Harvard, Columbia. So maybe he went, I guess if I was going to do it, I would probably do come over Columbia to Harvard, down into Pine Creek. Would you? Up Oxford, Belford. Because, you, I mean, you have gear. You, you could run down and grab a four-wheeler after you drop 3,000 feet. He used bikes a lot. Those are so good. So yeah. eat, eat a pizza in an RV with Jerry Roach yeah. coaching you. <laughs> Drive around, go to Missouri Gulch, run up Missouri Gulch. But Harvard, I mean, from Belford looking to Harvard or Harvard looking to Belford, they're like right, like it's bang. Oh, it's not. Like you, it feels like you throw a softball and hit Harvard. When you do the collegiate east portion of the Colorado Trail, you really like you're, you're crossing over so many trailheads and you're sharing so many trails that you do when you're climbing these. Yeah. That, what, what's your thought? What's the fastest? What fastest way to do Columbia, Harvard, Missouri, Belford, Oxford? I mean, Columbia, Harvard to me, those those two, it's it's so long that. You know, this is one of those tricky questions for me because that drop know, that drop down Columbia, that drop down Harvard back into Pine Creek was not a hell. I mean, it was awful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a beating. But you know, we've done it. The way that they're doing it is that they're they're observing this three thousand foot rule, which is to me arbitrary. I don't know who came up with that or who collects the records on such things because you know, like, climb a mountain and consider it climbing if you want to. Don't listen to other people, but. You know, they had mountain bikes waiting at the 3,000 uh, yeah. 3, foot point, and they're getting on a mountain bike running down. So, like, to me, it's, yeah, if that's what you love, like, that's what you love, I'm, and I'm never going to adjust it. It just, it just, the 3,000 foot mark, I'm not sure how we got there. So Hamilton was never in Pine Creek, probably. Probably not. But Probably at Harvard, Columbia. And I would never I speed climbing. Think you think he's dropped back down. I just, I don't know. You'd have to fact check that. I, I, I would think... From from Harvard to drop back down to that Harvard trailhead would be just as time consuming as going straight down because you got to climb back up to like Pine Creek or to Cohesi. That's a lot of gain. I, I bet he I bet he did Missouri from Cohesi. You get the fast fastest way to do Missouri because you gain if you run yeah you I mean, gain thirty if you're a trail it would be, runner, would be the easiest and fastest probably way for sure. So then when, when did he do Belford Oxford? But Belford, does that leave Oxford? you with the opportunity to, well, because Belford Oxford, easier from yeah. Missouri Gulch, right? No, I'm curious. I'm going to fact check that. I probably would have done that. <laughs> so if, what I would say is if you're coming from the north, you finish up Elbert, or maybe he's coming over Independence Pass from the Elk Range. You go up La Plata, Standard Route, drop down, and it's into the Winfield. Winfield. Do Huron. Oh. You could drop down from Huron to Clohese, back up Missouri, Belford, Oxford, down into Harvard, Columbia. Would now, you just send it? Because we, we went up Oxford. Would you just send that route that we went up? No. It was awful. No, but, but it was, I mean... These guys who do these speed, I don't know. I think, I think they're used to just like going downhill and steep, nasty, chossy stuff. Yeah, they're runners. They 
Because like to go back, that's the thing is to like if you're going way back to this trailhead, and it's the same elevation loss as going down this way, and it's a little bit harder. Like if you so let's say you add a half hour and you go down the harder way, well you're gonna it's gonna be a half hour at least if you they pick you up and drive you around a van to the other trailhead and go back around. He was going so fast. I think to to make that work, he had to do all those five like once without getting in a van. I think those are the low-hanging fruit of getting... If you're going to do five together as quick as possible. If you pull up Andrew Hamilton's website, you can go to his GPS tracking route. And it looks like he started running up Columbia, the standard route up Columbia, traversing over to Harvard. And then he dropped off the backside of Harvard into the Pine Creek Basin. And then up that route we did up Oxford traversed over to Belford, and then he dropped down to Elkhead and crossed that Class 4 nasty route on Missouri to Missouri, and then he dropped down Missouri's uh, backside into Lake Cloese and then did Huron. That is impressive. But that's the thing is, like, your your record is dependent on your support crew, too. So this turns into more of a team thing and not an individual thing, which the team doesn't get any recognition in this, this case, but... There's 15, 14 years in the Swatch range. Where do you put Missouri? And just personal enjoyment? Yep. I would say the route we did, so I've, I've done two routes. The Clohese, I would say, is like pretty mediocre. Like, it was fine, but like Cloise Lake's actually pretty cool. It was nice to like. Go there, yeah. Yeah. see Kalwar was pretty awesome. Like, you yeah. see the face. For sure, top ten, maybe even top five. I don't know. The Elk Range looms so high in my top five that it might not, it might not quite make the top five, but top ten, yeah, without question, it's top ten. I put so watch range fifteen, Holy Cross above Missouri, Missouri second on the fifteen. I probably put it in the top. I put it in the middle. Holy Cross. Elbert, massive, like those were. It's there's something about climbing Elbert, massive. Like massive is just it's. Yeah, massive kind of cool. It would be lower for me than Missouri. You know, Shimano, Cavalache, they're they're all great, but yeah, I I guess I put Missouri just like smack dab in the middle, maybe number seven. I think I I would agree with. I would say Holy Cross. Is probably number one, and I would say Missouri's two, and then for me, Antero would be three. Um, and then Harvard, the way we did Harvard, would probably be four. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, but it was memorable. It was memorable. I love Pine Creek. I love Jewel Drone's cabin. Love that drench. I mean, Princeton, Yale. But, yeah, Columbia was cool. Like the way hey, Columbia I, from Three Elk Trailhead was cool. I like Columbia. I think it's like, just like Yale. Yale's great. Would you There's so many different directions you can go to Yale. I want to do Yale yeah, from Cloheasy. That's next. Well, yeah, we didn't think about East Ridge Yale would be up there, too. Yeah. I'll East Ridge Yale yeah, might be. I'll, I'll take I'll take East Ridge Yale before I do. Missouri? Yeah. Yeah. But that that was only because it was January. We had no wind. Yeah. I'd still go. I'd probably still go to Missouri. A lot of character, Missouri, though. Too. Not Avalanche just because, like, the ice axe and crampon usage in Missouri was so cool. So if you had to do Missouri again, we have, what, 
eight years eight years since we did Missouri yeah. with Grandpa. We now have better skills, better camping, better food etiquette, better. We even know how to skin. How would you do Missouri? Ooh, I would do it. See Kalar, but I would ski down. <laughs> I would do it. Skin. Yeah. Skin the North Ridge and standard uh, up Missouri Gulch. No, I would do it. I would do it with crampons. Strap my skis on the back. Really. Go up the steep sea Kalar and then ski down it. Could you? I guess you can't. Couldn't camp up Clohesie skin. And this and the, unless you have two cars. Uh, you could. Yeah, see, you I could. would. You I would have two, two cars. I would have said sea Kalar. And then I would ski down that big old bowl and down into Clohesie, out to Rockdale, and then down. Because you would be downhill the entire way. You'd, you'd, as long as the snow coverage is good. Well, that's true. If you ski down the sequel, are you, that you have a really flat area. Yeah. You have to put your skins back on. But yeah. if you go up sequel, are, and then you ski down to Clohesie, and then down you to Rockdale, yeah. and then you can ski down. Depends on the snow, too. I mean, it's... If it's super late spring and it's patchy, then that would be either way. It's a long day, but I'd love to. I'd love to do it's snow coverage. You could do it yourself a loop. Yeah. Oh, head over up north. head over the last. Oh man, that's a long way. If you were given three words to describe your experience on Missouri Mountain, what three words would they be? Hmm. We'll start here with the exile of Michigan. Oh, uh, scintillating. Ooh, skin. Because, yeah, scintillating because <laughs> the, you know, it was the first time, well, second time, but like really the first successful cramp on ice, ice axe snow climb. So scintillating for me. Um, scenic, for sure. Yeah, alliteration would be good. Give, yeah. me, give me another S. One, one more. <laughs> you started down there. Snowflowing. Oh, snowflowing. Oh, that. It was covered because so we have great photos of this like this. Are we doing, we're doing all S's thing. now? There you go. Bang. We have Deep to do all an S. Scintillating, Snowfield, and... Was it scenic? Was it scenic. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have... They're all scenic. You, that's a good I'm one. I'm sorry, I don't have my thesaurus. Thesaurus. Thesaurus had more character than most... They did have more character. They all just like... Okay, so your turn. Very first. Yeah. <laughs> you did it once from Clohesy. Yeah. So do I need to? I need to do the uh, with an S. Or no. I no. Pick whatever. Three so words. Because he started. Three words. You want yours with an S. I am gonna start. Xylophone. I think. You came up with with three words. That's right. I would be so impressed. Xenophobe. <laughs> yeah, none of those make any sense at all. Um, I will start with an S, and I will say solitude. I think that was. Mm-hmm. Something for me, and, and you know, like, uh, you exactly do it on a weekend. Um, I no, I it was during the week, during the week in September in 2006. There was nobody, absolutely. Yeah, I did on Saturday, it was still from if you did it from Queasy, but it's said even the summit, other routes I saw, there were no cars, nobody in, the, in Rockdale. I mean, it was just hmm. it was awesome. It was one of those things where you, you, you try to get away and you're actually able to achieve it. It's tough to do. Um, solitude, yeah, so that's the first one I think of. Um, I want to. Th- I, th- I think of exercise because that that grassy knoll was. I almost. I pictured myself when I was doing it like on a stair climb, and 
there's so many reasons why we climb mountains, but exercise is, is the result no matter what. So, um, it was, it's the, my favorite kind of workout climbing mountains. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, solitude exercise, um, and, uh, uh, you know, I would just, I would probably go with, uh, rewarding. I think it's a, again, they're all, they're all pretty broad, but. Short room. I love, I love the fact that we put on crampons and did the last yeah. thousand feet straight to the summit. So I'll take crampons. I'll take post holing. Because uh-huh. when we crossed that valley oh, yeah. after we, we just sent the sequel war, it's scary. Actually, it's a lot more uh, character. It's character. A lot more character than most Swash 14ers. So what did I say? Post holding, character, and crampons. All right, that was our discussion of Missouri Mountain. We really like this Sawatch Range 14er. As a reminder, in winter 14ering, there is always avalanche risk, so make sure you check the snow conditions and you make your own decisions in the mountain. Do not hold us liable for a route or decision you make on Missouri Mountain. And I'd also like to indicate to our fans that through Four Points Bars, if you go to www.fourpointsbar.com and you punch in the code SHORTROPE20, you can get 20% off your order of Four Points Bars. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you out there on the trail.